tuned in to East Tennessee's premier sports radio call-in show. This is The Drive. And hello, good afternoon, and welcome to another stellar edition of The Drive here on Fan Run Radio. Russell Smith punching the time clock at 3.01 on a frigid Thursday afternoon here in East Tennessee. We welcome you in live from your White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios of Fan Run Radio. Alongside Tucker Harlan, I am merely Russell Smith. Bear joining from the Bears Den. Let's check in. Bear, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic, Russ. I'm looking forward to being able to get back down there with you fellas. Well, you're sounding good, my friend. It's I love it when a plan comes together and we're all spread out today, but together in spirit as we get Always. ready for a big show. Uh, Snowmageddon, day four here in East Tennessee with more white stuff on the way later tonight, potentially. Say it ain't uh, so, Todd Howard. That's what it sounds like. I'd almost, I almost, I just, if it's going to do something, I want it to snow, Russ. I, I don't want to deal with freezing rain. Oh, man. Freezing rain's what coats the uh, power lines, and then they snap, and then everybody's out of power for ever. Just the worst. Just the worst. Tucker Harlan, good afternoon. How are you, sir? Doing just fine. Finally managed to get out of my parking lot in my car. Yeah, t- Tucker's free. Yeah, I'm free. I'm free, and we got a big show lined up this afternoon, folks. Uh, we're going to go out to the warmer confines of the West and talk to one Christopher Gabriel, the CGP, coming up here in just a mere matter of moments. And Bear, and that's not What's all. What's that? That's not all. We got a special surprise for you. What is it? Are you sitting down? Uh, in fact, I'm reclined, yeah. Good. I want you relaxed. We have a special in studio guest this afternoon. How you Who doing? Would that be? How you doing, be- Bear? Oh! You watch your mouth. Young Marcus Young has entered the chat, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, Marcus. What's up, Russell? How are you doing? I'm staying warm. Uh, made the trek over here earlier today. Figured uh, don't have to work today. Why not get three more hours of radio in? And. I missed my buddy Bear. 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 Don't don't make it weird, Marcus. Don't make it weird. Well, Marcus was a little bit bored. He's like, hey, can I hang out today? I was like, sure. The more the merrier. The White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. So we all parked up at the top of the hill and made the trek. And it takes a good 10 minutes to get up and down that hill on foot, let me tell you. Yeah, it was a good workout I got in last night coming up. It's... It, it's still a little, a little bit slippery, I I think, and, and we'll see what happens with the weather, but I think, and I know our listeners find this fascinating, our transportation talk, but I, I think we'll be able to drive down the hill tomorrow. That is my prediction. It, it's close. I We could drive down it today. It's just like we did see somebody drive yeah. down. The only only issue is this. Uh, going up. Well, no. What, but What this, goes this, down must come up. The system coming in here yes. it doesn't do any more damage. Yeah, but it's not uh well, I mean that is true. Speak of the devil, I just got a notification on my phone for it. 
Oh, for what? Winter weather advisory for Knoxville, Tennessee, until Friday, January 19th, 7 p.m. Oh. I mean, next week by this time, we're going to be dealing with thunderstorms. I don't know if you guys have looked at the 10-day. I'm okay with that. Wash the snow away. We'll be yeah, fine, fine to come down here. You have to admit, though, there must be some part of you, Russell, that hoped maybe Bear would get like a sled, try to slide down that hill to get to studio. I think one of the funniest and most underrated word pictures I've painted in the past couple of months on the drive was the image of Bear trying to come down the ice-slicked hill here at Fan Run Radio and then starfishing, sprawling out, and then sliding down the hill, spinning like the River Rapids ride at Dollywood. Just yeah. <laughs> if you ever worried about the gate being stuck, he could probably barrel down and open go it up right for through you. it. Like Wiley hey, look Coyote. Here, fat ass. You whoa! Got whoa! On me. Whoa! Language. <laughs> we're not, we're not going to have the Bass three-hour tour Please. here. Please. I'll, I'll pull my clothes on. I'll walk down that damn hill and, and stomp a mud hole in, in everybody in that okay. building. If, if if that's what you're you guys do, having fun now if you, that, you got your reaction you wanted marcus if that's what you're gonna do just let us know so we can at least get it on film yeah i need yeah. to go look at the film so big show this afternoon young marcus young is in the house we've got the cgp coming up here in just a mere matter of moments we have a huge basketball game i don't feel like it's being hyped up enough yet maybe, maybe it's because we're still 48 hours away but i mean this is you know alabama's a top 10 team on ken palm undefeated in conference play one of the best offensive teams in the country leading scorer in the conference coming in here they hate our guts the feeling is mutual i want rocky top thompson bowling assembly center and arena to be at 11 Come 2 p.m. Saturday afternoon when we tip that thing off. We must protect our house 9-0 and at the Tommy Bowl this year for the Volunteers. And, Bear, I do not, do not want to see those Crimson Cousin Kissers come in here and ruin our party. We need to add to the general misery and malaise that's going on in Tuscaloosa. As they, uh, I don't know if you saw it earlier, lost another one of their four-star stars. <laughs> Uh, corners into the transfer portal um this is good against evil this saturday russ it's the deacon rick barnes against the devil himself nate oats player shover uh runs uh what you know i'm just stating the facts everything that happened last year whatever happened there and i I mean uh, it's a chance to just shove alabama's face into the mud and step on the back of their head i support i fully support Israel's right to defend itself against Hamas and Tennessee's right to defend itself against Bamas, the radical terrorist organization, must be dismantled, Bear. We cannot rest until it is completely dismantled. Freedom shall reign from the valley to the Gulf of Mexico. The SEC shall be free. Exactly. You let them know. I'm just uh, I'm I've worked a full in a full on rage over here. I hate Alabama. I'm about, so damn happy right now. It's falling apart down there, Russell. How about this guy at uh, Texas, Rodney Terry? You see oh, this guy? Yes. Come on. Oh, yep. God. Is this the what softest? 
Is this the softest move we've seen in sports so far this week? I mean, send that guy to Gainesville, Tuscaloosa, <laughs> Baton Rouge. Do you know what he's getting into? This Athens. guy, he, I don't think he does. I don't think that whole fan base does, guys. Yeah, I mean, I since- mean, they they freak out. Over this horns down deal. Yeah. People who don't know, uh, Rodney Terry is the new coach at Texas. They lost at home to UCF last night. And as of the as they're going through the postgame handshake line, <clears throat> a couple of the UCF players flash the horns down thing. Like they're kind of like amongst themselves. They're not like doing it in Texas's face. They're kind of like celebrating with themselves. And Rodney Terry is coming up on them. He sees this. And he starts throwing a hissy fit. Don't do that, guys. That's classless. That's classless. Oh, the the picture where he turns around and gets mad at them, that's already been put into some meme material there. Yeah, but I mean, what? I mean, the SEC is filled with every fan base in this conference, minus Vanderbilt because they don't care about anything. Uh, we're the biggest button pushers on the planet. Petty. Trolling hate everybody else and we're gonna i mean anytime i mean we're just gonna clown on them i'm pretty stoked Whoa, the horns down russ I, i'm pretty stoked about uh you know this this oklahoma game next year you heard brew mccoy on the show yesterday excellent interview with him in our number one yesterday's show um shout out to everybody who came out to volunteer auto group to see us yesterday um he's looking forward to like you know playing at oklahoma like, I think that's one that Heupel's got circled. A lot of the players have circled. I think they'll be up for that, obviously. We need – Texas has to be – and it needs to be a home game since we're playing Oklahoma on the road this year. Texas needs to come to Neyland Stadium in 2025. Oh, 100%. That, that needs to happen. We need to re, renew hostilities with those guys, and it needs to happen inside Neyland Stadium. And can you imagine Nico in his third year – running the best show in college football with Sark and those guys coming up here. They're, Arch Manning. They're yeah, the candy, Nico versus Arch show. They're candy soft fans with their cowboy hats and the, and the hook em horn signal. Oh, my God. I don't think they're ready for it. We need to put- I think that we ought to dedicate ourselves to every UT fan having a, a white T-shirt with the horns down on the front of it for that game, Russ. We also need to put that the old school UT logo back at midfield for that game. That would be sweet. Take that it would back. be sweet as well. <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you, Russ. I was I was curious to see if you picked up on that. I went back and listened to the Brew interview, and I, the vibe I got from that they've got that Oklahoma game circled, and like they're well aware. You go back; it was really cool to hear him talk about uh, Heupel. Yeah, you know, going back there, like it. it that game will have uh, the guys. You almost get the I, vibe I, that he's Heupel's already talked to the boys about it a little bit. A, a little bit, and the, the the feeling I got off of what Brew was saying is, you know, these guys are fully locked in, and they don't want to let uh, they don't want to let hype daddy down. We have breaking news. Let's go to the fan run breaking news desk. <laughs> Dane Davis has announced he will be returning to Tennessee for the 2024 season. That's a, uh, I mean, call, call me crazy. That's 
that's pretty good. Uh, you know, I figured he would. We need depth. Yeah, desperately. We need depth. Uh, you know, I I know some. Oh, you know, he's not good enough. And uh, like, you need depth pieces, guys that are familiar with their system, can play multiple spots on the Veteran. offensive line. I don't, you know, I don't think he's going to be starting to begin the season, but I think there is a role for him to play this season. So I, I think that is a positive development. Well, yeah. Here's here's a phrase for you. He's he's a good culture guy. Good culture Older guy. guy yeah. Been around. Good leadership for the young guys. He can play and... tackle. He can play guard. He even repped some at center this year, and I believe got in a in a game earlier in the season at center. And he can also uh, yeah, roll around. On the, he can roll around with the best of them, clutching that knee, buying you a couple of minutes after an extra point attempt for your yep. defense to get some Good rest. Good extra point fall yep. guy. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was probably the best we had until I mean that, that performance. Which it was that the Vanderbilt game or was that the bowl game? Well, I know he played in that Vanderbilt game. No, no, no. The other the 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 lineman that put on who was an academy. Was it Parker that? Ball, was it? Oh, yeah. Was it? Yeah. Young Parker Ball. Parker Ball probably had the best performance at that position. Jackson but Lampley's Jack, pretty it's, good, It's too. Jackson Lampley's position. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's that's the niche he has carved out. That is what he will be remembered for, and he has been the most consistent at that position. Oh, absolutely. Which he is has, a critical he's, position. He's, uh, it's critical. He's, defi- he's definitely a, a giant uh, in the field. But, but Parker Ball had a, it was almost a, a De Niro like Raging Bull level performance, just outstanding, utterly outstanding. So we are locked, loaded, ready to roll this afternoon. Big game at Thompson Bowling Assembly Center and Arena. We need to ramp up for this. We need to turn up for this. These clowns came in here ranked number one last year and left with the L. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that Tennessee could take advantage of is just, you know, if you drag them into a defensive match like they did last year and, um, you know, really the last two losses Bama had last year, the A&M one and San Diego State in the tournament, both of which they were dragged into the mud. They can't handle that. They came in here with two first-round NBA draft picks and left with an L. Oh, yeah. Jemai Meshack may have had the greatest zero-point performance of all time. God, he shut that guy down, didn't he? Yeah. I'd did, forgotten about did that. Did not give up a single field goal to Brandon Miller while he was on the floor. Got to crank that it up. Low-key, maybe one of the best defensive performances. It's like single game uh, that's been in the Tommy Bowl, I think. I mean, he shut Brandon Miller down. Got to crank it up, folks. Got to crank it up. Big one. It's basketball time, man. The trans- people are oh, going through the transition to football to basketball. It has been made. It has been made. It's basketball time. How far will this be the team to finally kick down the door under Rick Barnes and make it further than anybody? Are, are we going to Glendale? Are we going to Glendale? We'll talk about it with Christopher Gabriel of KMJ Fresno when we continue next right here on The Drive. It's Fan Run Radio. Stay with us. The Drive is your home. Fan Run Radio. The Drive continues. Russell, Bear, Tucker, Marcus Young, 
All cruising with you here on a Thursday, Thursday, Thursday afternoon edition of The Drive. Coming to you from the land of the ice and snow, we now head out west. Go west, my son. And talk to Christopher Gabriel of KMJ Fresno. That's what they always say. CG, good afternoon. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing great, Russ. Uh, good to talk to you and the boys. I When I heard Marcus's voice, my first thought went to the portal. And I thought that we had some movement uh, that I was unaware of and that maybe there were going to have to be some feelings and some therapy, much like the folks in Tuscaloosa oh. are dealing with right now. You know, you just hate it to, for such a oh. great and humble group of people to see them knocked down a peg or two. I hate it for them, CG. They've had such a tough time of it over the years. You, you know, I, I stopped at my church and I lit a candle for all of them because <laughs> – uh, it's a it's a it's a tragedy what's happening down there and uh, you you do you you feel for them your heart goes out you know I'm, I'm thinking about what you're all dealing with with the weather and obviously so many years in Fargo and Minneapolis I, I'm used to that and I I think that you would agree what you and and the great folks and hello to everybody in East Tennessee uh, have dealt with is really it pales in comparison to the the tragedy that is the portal situation down in Tuscaloosa I. I don't even know how the Alabama basketball team can leave the town, leave their brethren behind, knowing what Greg Byrne and company are, are dealing with down there. Well, we here at Fan Run wholeheartedly support the dismantling of the radical terrorist organization known as BAMAS. It must be brought down. It must be struck down. Yes. Uh, CG. Yes. This is your guy, though, uh, Kalen DeBoer. You know him well from his days at Fresno. What do you think? Are, will, will they be taking a step back immediately, or do you think this guy can keep them on top? Well, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, Kalen and I are friends. And, I, I mean, you know, friends to the extent that we, I mean, we text. But it's not like him and I have been going out for pizzas when he was here in Fresno. Uh, all, all of a sudden, Christopher Gabriel distancing himself he's, from, he's, from he's, Kalen he's DeBoer. He's backpedaling <laughs> faster yeah, you know, somebody trying to I, cover Jalen Hyatt. I, I, I barely know the man. Uh, but, uh, no, I, I know Kalen very well. He's been on my show about ten times. and uh, it, I'll give you a couple of different thoughts uh, about him. First of all, remove him from the fact that he's got to wear that hideous crimson sweater. Now, yeah. he's a high-quality person. He's a, he's a really decent man. Uh, he's, he's the, he is the guy that uh, you want to sit down for a beer and, and shoot a game of pool. He is, he is that kind of guy. He will, I, I tell you, and this is what worries me, he will win over that state, high school coaches and what have you, in a heartbeat. That's just the way he is, and he's genuine. Will they take a step back? I, I do think they will, just a slight step back, because he's more than up to the challenge. He's a great coach. I mean, you look at Josh Heupel, and he has the kind of offensive mind, obviously, that Josh Heupel has. It's, it's crazy to me that the two of them grew up about 90 you know, about 90 miles apart in South Dakota. They're friends. And uh, you know, last time I talked to Caleb, I talked to him in August. Uh, well, I've talked to him since then, but the feature, the lengthy interview that I had with him, uh, I joked with him that, you know, some, I asked him what are the, some of the places that he really doesn't like to play because of the noise, and he didn't mention Neyland. And before I could mention Neyland to him, he said to me, well, I know, CG, I know you're going to mention Neyland. Well, now, now he's going to get to experience it, and it's going to be nuts in there when they come in. I do think the fact that their first conference game is going to be Georgia, uh, and all the portal situations that they've had there, and again, uh, you know, I, I say that with a heavy heart uh, with, the, with the portal uh, situation down there, I, I think they're going to lose a couple of games. 
uh, maybe three games, maybe four games this coming year. I, I just the, the talent level is going to be different. The, the scheme, everything's going to be different. And, Russ, I think teams approaching Bama, playing them, are going to look at Bama differently. Kalen DeBoer has the respect of college football. But when you look across the sideline, with all due respect to Kalen, he's not Nick Saban. And not seeing Saban over there and, and not having to prepare against a guy that is, you know, made the best adjustments of anybody in college football uh, during the course of a game, I, I think that's going to weigh on Bama at least this first year. And I think if there was a year that teams had a chance to really get at them, I mean, they're still going to have talent, but it's not going to be like this year or the previous years. I think this is the year, and I, I do think they're going to take a step back. And I do fully expect when Alabama comes to Knoxville, I expect them to lose, and I, I expect them to lose by double figures. Wow. I do. I, I, I mean that. It's not hyperbole. I, I fully expect this team under Nico with the weapons that he has and with the frothing at the mouth that our crowd – I'm going to be there for that game, and I fully expect to be on with you uh, and, and Houston and Bear and Tucker and, and who else. I mean, be, at this point, there's going to be seven or eight guys uh, on your show. <laughs> uh, I fully expect to be there, and I, I do. I think that we're going to beat them by double figures, Russ. You know, it's interesting. The, the schedule <laughs> – Alabama plays Tennessee next year at the end of a three-game stretch uh, where they will have – I just lost it. I think it's uh, – yeah, at Vanderbilt, South Carolina at home. So they have that huge game against Georgia, and then they have an off week. And then they go to Vanderbilt, win. Uh, South Carolina at home, probably a win. And then they come to Tennessee. Tennessee yeah. plays Florida mm-hmm. the week before Alabama. So that is – that that is interesting. I think outsiders will look at it and say, "Well, Florida's not that good." You know, it's a game Tennessee win, and they're they're probably right, but they don't know what we know. CG, which is for whatever reason, Florida has been in Tennessee's head for years, and that game will be much. You, we all know it's going to be much harder than it should be. I think Tennessee should win, but you get into the whole: can you get up for huge games back to back weeks? I don't see a problem getting up for Alabama, but. That Florida game the week before, I mean, it is interesting that arguably the two biggest games of the year back-to-back like that. Well, you're absolutely right. It's a great point that you're making. and I, I mean, I was in, you'll recall, uh, did the show with you, and uh, I was in for, in fact, we tailgated, we did everything uh, for the Florida game a couple of years ago in uh, Neyland, and that game, the Vols were ru- starting to run away with it. And then suddenly, they weren't running away with it. Suddenly we had a game, and then suddenly we're down to the last damn play of the game to hold on. I mean, I found myself sitting there thinking, of course, of course this happens against Florida. Of course it does. Does it matter that the game is in Neyland? No. They could play this game in Guam, and that's what would happen. So I, I think you're right. I do expect a win against Florida, and it's, it's kind of crazy to think, right, that they're going to be playing Florida, and there will, there will be talk. You know this, and I know it. There will be talk. Is Tennessee looking ahead to Alabama? And we're talking about looking past Florida. <laughs> but I think Josh Heupel... Uh, we'll have them ready to go. And I think uh, the the premise here, or the possibility, I should say, of a back-to-back, you know, within seven days, within eight days, beating Florida and Alabama back-to-back, that will uh, be something that I think our players will have marked, circled, X, you name it, and ready to go. 
What an offseason it is going to be. Christopher Gabriel, KMJ Fresno with us this afternoon on the show. Uh, CG switching gears to Tennessee basketball. Uh, The season is off and running. Tennessee has another top 10 team. Rick Barnes, I I know what people are thinking. We've been here before, CG. Uh, They've been a top 10 caliber basketball team for years now. And, you know, it always ends in disappointment. This can only end in tears, as my wife would say when my kids are fighting. Um, Do you think that the impact of having a Dalton Connect on your team is the missing ingredient for Rick Barnes as far as postseason success goes this year? Yeah, I'm of two minds with this. I generally, I'm kind of 60-40 on this, Russ. I think the, the answer for the 60 side of it is yes. I think Dalton does bring something, and this is not breaking news to anybody listening. He brings an element to this team that's just ridiculous. I mean, when I've heard national broadcasters say, and I'll preface it by saying, no, we're not saying he's as good as Larry Bird, but he has that kind of game. He does. I mean, he's got the high release. He can catch and shoot. He can take it off the dribble. He has a medium-range game. He can go to the bucket with either hand. He can find guys uh, with the pass, and he can he can elevate. I mean, he's, he's explosive. He's got all of those elements uh, – is he lacking a little defensively? Yes. But I think this team is strong enough defensively to cover up any you know, misgivings that we might have about him defensively. But I do think that he – you look at a guy like him, if he's in our, on our lineup, in our lineup, pardon me, against Florida Atlantic last year, I think the Vols win that game. I, they just, nobody can make a basket. Now, I said 60-40. The 40 side of it is we have seen a couple of times where DK took a little bit of time to get going. And that's with anybody. Any player is going to have those nights. So then you look at you look at the roster. You think who's going to pick up the slack? Well, we we like what Jonas Adu has been doing, uh, certainly. But the two guys that I'm going to key on here are Santiago Vescovi and uh, Josiah Jordan James. Uh, they have been, and I I pulled these numbers to have them in front of me here. Uh, you look at the numbers right now, and in conference games, I mean. Let me back up. Dalton Connect is averaging 18.5. In conference, he's averaging 27.8. You want to see your guys, you want to see your top guys, your top-shelf guys elevate their scoring, elevate their games, period. Zakai Ziegler, you know, he's elevated. Jonas Adu, he's elevated. Santi and Josiah Jordan-James have not. And I don't have any concerns about them to the extent that they're veterans. They know what it takes to get it done in the SEC. But I still feel like Every now and then there's a part of them that they can be so unselfish, mostly Santi, that, you know, I said this to a friend in texting, watching the game the other night, just, he's great with the head fake. Sometimes just stop. Just stop with the head fake. Take the shot. Take the shot. You are a great shooter. Take the shot. And I think in nights, Russ, that maybe Dalton is struggling a little bit. And as we get towards the SEC tournament, we get into March, that first Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I think we're going to need to have Asante and a Triple J that are ready to elevate their games, if they haven't already, more than we have seen them elevate right now. I mean, they're both terrific players, but they do seem like they, they kind of get into a, almost a little bit of watching, that they're watching Dalton mm. Connect. And look, uh, I, saw, I, I saw a lot of fans on uh, Twitter or X say that, you know, well, you know, Dalton had 39 points and nobody else did much anything. Well, when you have one guy getting 39 and another guy getting, what, 19 or so, generally that's kind of how it works. 
if one guy is just absolutely going off, that's generally how it works. You're going to see a lack of production elsewhere. But I do think Santi's got to elevate his game a little bit more. I think he needs to look to elevate his game more. To go back to your question of how we do in March, I think Josiah Jordan-James, I've, I've argued this with people. People be like, no, his Triple J's game is not going to the basket. Yes, it is. Yeah, he, yes, he can shoot, but he is so athletic. He is so long and lean and, and just, as, again, athletic, and he can be explosive. The more he goes to the basket, the more a problem a half-court defense is going to have with him trying to defend him, not knowing, not expecting him to just sit out parked on the three-point line. The guy that I'm concerned about is Jordan Ganey. He has <laughs> not scored a bucket. He's not scored a free throw since the Ole Miss game. So in his last four games, he has three points, and that's going back four games. He was brought here to score. His defense has been good, granted that, but you notice his minutes have been going down. I would offer you that because we have tremendous depth on this team, that has been a shortcoming lately, and it's been covered up. But he really is a guy that I believe we need going into the SEC tournament. Well, heck, all the games this month in February, but working into postseason, he has got to be a guy that Rick Barnes can rely on to drop a couple of threes, to penetrate, dish, and so on, because he has been wholly ineffective these past four games. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. You know, go back to Triple J. Uh, people forget uh, how he came out of the gates roaring this year. He averaged mm-hmm. 17.4 points per game over his first 12 games this season. Yeah. I mean, he was yeah. going – he had multiple 20-point – uh, you know, over 20-point games, and uh, he scored eight points or less in his last five. So, I, I think, uh, CG, with Dalton Connect's recent explosion, I would expect I, – I would be stunned – if Alabama's game plan is not to double team him, run extra guys at him, rough him up, be physical, all that stuff Saturday. And that's going to leave opportunities for Triple J and Vescovy. And Tennessee desperately needs those guys to to knock down some shots. They don't have to go for over 20, but they've got to score in du- double figures, I believe, if uh, Bama tries to do to connect what I think they will. That is spot on because th- the simple – equation here is when when teams like in Alabama that have a, a whole roster full of very athletic, very quick, very long-armed guys on defense in, in particular, when you see teams that are going to start to do that against DK, he is going to have to find the open man, and those open guys are going to be guys like Santi, Triple J, Jordan Ganey, Zakai, and they have to knock down shots. I mean, I love this team. I, I can't even going back to Admiral and Grant, I think this may be one of my all-time favorite Tennessee teams. I just like the way this team plays. I like the mix of guys. But if, if there's a big criticism that I have, it's that some of our really good shooters, they miss a lot of open, open looks. And when you start getting into the meat of this season, and we're going to start getting into that beginning with Saturday uh, at Thompson Bowling at Food City Center, um, they're good. when Santi has an open look, Take it. Do not wait for the defender to get to you. Do a head fake, you know, dribble penetration, and then give it, give it, uh, give it up. I want to see these guys take their open looks, but they've rust. They've got to bury them. How many times have you and I texted the game and saying, "My gosh, what's wrong with Santi? He's getting open look after open look." If they start to bury these shots more often than they're missing, it's going to force teams out of double teams on Dalton Connect, and that's going to give Dalton Connect more room to operate both inside and out. Hey, CG, one more basketball thought here for you. 
Uh, we, we had some fun on the show yesterday. We're trying to put together our all-Barnes-era team. Five guys, a five-man team of players, the best players of the Rick Barnes era. And uh, we came to an agreement that Dalton Connect has played his way onto that team for now. Hard to see him not ending up being one of the best five. But right. uh, we've got him at the small forward, Admiral at the power forward. We've got Grant playing in the middle. And then we agreed on Kennedy Chandler at the point. The one, the one area we just could not come to a consensus on is a another guard, a shooting guard, if you will. And it kind of came down to um, four guys. And would love to get your thoughts on this. Keon Johnson, Jordan Bowden, Lamonte Turner, or Vescovy, who, like, people, you know, he's struggling now, but he's, like, top ten all-time three-pointers and steals, and he's had a prolific career. Yeah, you know, as you mentioned, I was going to ask you the four. When you mentioned the four, even before you got to his name, the name that popped into my head immediately was Lamonte Turner. Uh, that was the name, but I, I have to say, I, I agree with you. If there is a lean in terms of a pure shooter and a guy who we have seen over the course of his career, you know, really generally drain it, and it sounds like I'm going a little bit opposite of what I just said, I, I might tip the scales with Santi, but for me, it would be Santiago or it would be Lamonte Turner. And, and listen, that's, that's no slight on any of the other names you mentioned because I think any of them, Russ, I think any of them could, could step into that spot. But I, I, you know, I don't know if it's recency bias, uh, but you know, Lamonte popped into my head. But you know, maybe I flip a coin and I go with Santi. I, f- I forgot to throw Kevin Punter's name in there too, but uh, it was a hard one, man. I mean, you could make good yeah. cases for all five of those guys. Uh, CG, before we let you run here, uh, of course, you're out in Fresno. That is Niners country. And I love the NFL playoffs, and I'm sure they've got 49er fever out there. The Packers coming to town, uh, two classic franchises playing for a spot in the NFC Championship game. One of four tremendous matchups we get traded to this weekend. Uh, what are your thoughts on the 49ers and the NFL playoffs in general? Well, I, as far as the Niners and Packers go, you know, the Packers, they went in. I, I just did not expect – what they did. I, I could have seen the Packers win, but not the way they beat Dallas. Uh, I don't think that the Packers are coming out of here with, with a win. This is the tenth time these two teams have played in the playoffs, which is quite remarkable. This 49ers team with Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, uh, George Kittle, not to mention Brock Purdy, this is as elite an offensive team uh, that's not named the Kansas City Chiefs when they had Tyreek Hill. Uh, on that team, this is just the. To me, the NFC goes through Santa Clara and Levi Stadium. I, I'm just not. I, I think that the, the Packers are going to get pasted uh, by the 49ers this weekend. I, I really do. I think the the other really intriguing game to me is Kansas City going to Buffalo. There's been a lot of talk about Patrick Mahomes, his first road game in the playoffs, uh, and he's going, he's going to Buffalo. It's going to be cold. Well, it's not going to be any colder in Buffalo than it was in Kansas City last weekend. Patrick Mahomes is an absolute assassin. And, and I'll tell you, I'm not going to bury the lead. I'm leaning to Buffalo in this game. But I think the, the idea that Patrick Mahomes is going to have a difficult time playing in that kind of cold weather is nonsense. He is used to cold weather. Kansas City gets very, very cold. Uh, he is a tremendous competitor. I, if anything, if anything, and I'm not being flippant, Kansas City, we, I think we all would agree, that they, uh, 
tend to get a call or two at Arrowhead Stadium. We've seen some of those in the last couple of years in the playoffs. Uh, that doesn't. None of their wins have been, you know, phony wins, but they do get calls. They're not going to get those calls in Buffalo. They will not get those calls in front of that crowd. And uh, maybe he's going to have to deal a little bit with the noise. Uh, but beyond that, I do like Buffalo in that game. I'm excited to see Detroit and Tampa Bay. You know, I'm a Bears fan, but I'm so happy for the folks in Detroit. They've long-suffering fans. Of course, our boy Hendon Hooker uh, on that team. I, I like Detroit in that game. And I think as great as C.J. Stroud played uh, last week against Cleveland, I think that dream ends this week in Baltimore. I just think Lamar Jackson, I think Lamar Jackson, I think we're going to see a very different Lamar Jackson in the playoffs this coming weekend. I, I hesitate at saying I'm going with all four home teams because mm. it never seems to work out that way. <laughs> but I do think this way, that this week, that's what it's going to be. I really like the, I, I like the home teams to advance on Saturday. The Ravens and the 49ers, I think, should handle their opponents. I think the Sunday games are kind of toss-ups. CG, I agree. looking yeah. forward to both of those. By the way, I, one quick thing I'll tell you. About three weeks ago, I told you going into the Bama game, not that I keep these records, but I did tell you that I thought that the team was the balls were going to be fourteen and three. I was close, thirteen and four. Did not plan on the Mississippi State loss. Really, who did? No, nobody. Uh, it's yeah. uh, but it, it's such a meat grinder. There, like the, I'm sure you've seen some of these numbers about top twenty five teams that are losing. Yeah. on the road and like every you know four of the top five teams lost on the road last week and then uh yesterday or uh, a tuesday four of the six four of six top 25 teams lost to unranked teams on the road so it's just become so hard to win on the road in college basketball i think it will be just that way in the SEC. Like I think we're going to have some more toast up games. So we got, oh, yeah. you know, we, we have to play at Alabama. We have to play at Texas A and M. Like they're they're going to be good. Obviously, the trip to Rupp is never easy. So I, I think Tennessee is probably going to take some more L's on the road this year, which only magnifies the importance of holding serve at home. And it starts Saturday when the crumbling tide. They're no longer the Crimson Tide. They're crumbling now. CG come to town. We have to send them back home with an L. Oh, I, there's no question about it. And you're right. I, I have a, a sheet of paper in front of me, and I've got four games highlighted that are concerns for me for the Vols. They're all road games, and the ones you mentioned, Kentucky, Texas A&M, Arkansas, and Alabama. And you're right. I, I think you really drilled the home the point as well as possible. And that is because the road is so difficult, and it's difficult for everybody. Again, as you pointed out, they have to cover home court. And I think Thompson Bowling, that is a very, very – not, this is not breaking news for anybody in your audience, but that is a very underrated – home court advantage. Kentucky fans like to always talk about, oh, it's this, it's that. It's a hell of a place to go in and watch a college basketball game. It has become a cauldron of noise. The fans know what kind of an effect they can have on teams. I hope the fans really bring it uh, this this weekend. By the way, do you need me to come in with my snowblower to help the concourses outside Thompson Bowling? I am available. I am hashtag full service should you need that. We might need that. We might need you out the the um, palatial fan run studios out here, the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios. We're still we still got about half a foot surrounding us. I, all right, I I can do that because I I'm pretty sure uh, I have a way of fitting the snowblower uh, into the overhead bin, and <laughs> I I can get there and you know just have me listen. All I ask for is uh, is a is a hot meal and a cup of coffee, and I I'm all yours. Well, we got you covered there, CG. Matt, we appreciate you. Hey, by the way, congratulations on the success of your weekend show, the CGP. I understand the the ratings 
for that have been phenomenal here lately. Hang on the rim for a minute, CG. Tell us what you got going on there. Well, that's very, I appreciate you saying seriously. I appreciate you saying that they uh, they did they ran the anal- analytics for Cumulus Media. Cumulus is my company, and we have uh, over 400 stations. We have about 120 talk stations nationwide, and they they run the numbers as to who has is the most listened to program. And my weekend program, the CGP, is 14th. It's number 14 out of over a thousand programs uh, as most listened to. And I I'm just so grateful for so many people who listen, so many people in your audience uh, and around Tennessee and and the Southeast listen. Uh, we've had we've really worked hard since starting in radio to build a national following because I've always felt that uh, in my program it's about discourse, not discord. We can argue, we can disagree, but we can do it civilly and respectfully. It's mostly a sports, so we like to say sports and stuff. We'll bring some other stuff in, but it's mostly sports, and we have really uh, been blessed to hear these numbers that we are in the top 15 nationwide. Uh, I'm excited about that. It should provide a good seating for the uh, sports and news talk wars coming in March. I'm looking right now at about a number four seed, but hopefully I can get up to a number two <laughs> yeah, or three. Right. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you've had a couple of Tennessee guys. I know Jay Graham and, and Aaron Hayden, you interviewed them recently for that. So go uh, just look up Christopher Gabriel program wherever you listen to podcasts and give it a listen. Hey, quick thing. This weekend, Omar Ruiz from the NFL Network, he's going to break down all four games and Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick's going to be on your show? No, oh. he's going to break down <laughs> the odds of uh, Belichick landing in your neck of the woods down a uh, the mighty Falcons, although you're a big, you're a, you're a Titans fan, so I should shouldn't say that. Best line I saw on social media so far today is it, it, for folks who haven't followed it closely. Belichick is interviewing in person after already meeting with Arthur Blank. It's his second interview. They said uh, somebody said, "I'm going to butcher this," but it was something to the lines of, "If the Falcons blow a two interview lead with Belichick, that would be <laughs> that would be all, right on brand for them." <laughs> That uh, how ironic would it be for him to take over in Atlanta after you know the twenty-eight nothing debacle that turned into uh, a Falcons loss? Uh, my good. By the way, is your audience more Titans fans or Falcons fans? Oh, Titans. Okay, that's what I figured. Yeah, the state so, team so of I, Tennessee. So if I ever move to Tennessee, I need to immediately adopt the Titans, which I will do. By the way, we got some two-tone blue for you, CG. We'll get All you right. hooked up and looking good. I'm right. All right. Hey, brother, always great to be on. Uh, Love you guys, and uh, we'll talk soon. Love you too, brother. CG, the Christopher Gabriel program. Check him out at CG Program on the Twitter machine, making his presence felt on a Thursday afternoon edition of the show. We got to take a quick timeout. Stay with us. More Fan Run Radio coming up. The Drive. Are you ready to elevate your driving experience? Then you need to head over to your hometown dealership. And Run Radio, the drive continues. Russell, Bear, Tucker, Marcus, hanging out with you on a Thursday afternoon edition of the show. Christopher Gabriel, KMJ Fresno. Bear, what did you learn? It was, uh, like always, just a, a ton of, of uh, information. It's almost information overload. Where to start? Um, uh, the basketball, you know, that whole basketball thing came back up. Uh, you know, the top five Barnes era players, there's a name that hadn't been mentioned and it, it just hit me like a thunderbolt. And I don't see how you keep him off of it considering, uh, he came up big in the biggest games against our biggest rivals. Um, 
drove Kentucky to the brink of insanity, one John Fulkerson. Yeah, I, I had uh, Fulky. My problem is, you know, obviously he's a forward, right? And, you know, I mean, I, I guess you could go radical and have a three-forward, two-guard lineup. But, um, like, who are you going to put him at? I'm not putting him ahead of Grant. I just don't feel like I can start him. Yeah. And uh, I don't think I'm putting him ahead of Admiral either. <laughs> it's It's tough. It'd be pretty easy if, if we added, you know, a few bench players. You know. You could definitely come up with a strong eight-man rotation. Oh, for sure. Which is kind of what Rick Barnes likes to do, rotate eight. I'll be interested to see. You know, he gets Dillion and Estrella into the game Wednesday night. It's one thing when you're doing it against an outmanned Florida team at home in a game you're controlling from the tip. Will he do that Saturday and what I expect will be a hard-fought tooth-and-nail game to the final buzzer against Alabama. I mean, from what I saw personally out of Estrella the other night, I feel like I would – I'd roll I'd roll the dice on it, man. Let's see if this kid, you know, really is as good as he was – I mean, Estrella, Estrella correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't he like a borderline five-star? Yes. I mean, we talked about this kid forever, couldn't believe we found him. And that we were going to get him, so um, I think he could be a really important piece if if you want to break through that class ceiling and uh, go go to the elite eight and beyond. He's got a fun personality too. You see all these videos of him after the game's over celebrating. Yeah, and he brings um, he's every bit as physical as uh, I mean he's more physical than than Jonas, and you know I mean he's a pretty thick kid. Throw him out there, man. He didn't come here to ride pine. No, he's an excellent prospect. I'll be interested to see how they use him moving forward. Let's open up the phone lines for the first time this afternoon. If you want to be a part of the festivities on this snowy Thursday edition of The Drive, your number, 865-546-8200, young Marcus Young. We'll greet you as you call in this afternoon to the drive. The Cowboys are keeping Mike McCarthy. Yeah. That, that actually doesn't yeah. surprise me that much. But you going back to it, because they did this with Jason Garrett. Where year we after always, year. Yeah, we thought he was fired. They kept bringing him back, like several Jerry times. Jerry doesn't move off coaches. He's only done it twice. Unless unless it's a Hall of Fame coach who's won back-to-back Super Bowls. Otherwise, he doesn't move off coaches. Well, yeah, but, I mean, I'm talking like he's only I, – I saw it, you know. And the other thing about McCarthy, if you put his record as a head, co- head coach, he's right up there with uh, – I'll have to look it up the list. But, I mean, it's, you know. Regular season Mike. I mean, he's got a Super Bowl. Trying to think, how would you alliterate that with Mike McCarthy? Mid-Mike. season Mike. Mid-Mike, that's a good one. Yeah, mid-Mike is solid. Meh, meh, Mike. Meh, McCartney. Yeah, people talked about Belichick going there, and as much as that would have been a fun narrative to discuss, I just don't see him, the control freak that he is, working for an owner who meddles. 
the way Jerry Jones does. I, I just never saw that working out. Now, it'll be interesting to see if he can get that Falcons job. Um, is, well, that's one. They Let still me don't you. have a quarterback down there. And I could see Arthur Blank, like it, he doesn't strike me as a guy that meddles the way Jerry Jones does. But you either have a quarterback or you don't, and that franchise hasn't had a quarterback since Matt Ryan left. Yeah, but I mean, they can. I'm sure that Belichick would think that he'll he could find a quarterback. Where? And like you said, that the first thought that ran through my head was Arthur Blank seems like the kind of owner that, you know, he's fine just standing on the sideline and uh, wouldn't be looking, to, you know, like Jarrah does, where he wants to be completely running the team. Quarterbacks don't grow on trees. I don't know. You can get Ryan Tannehill or something. We have uh, Atlanta's got the eighth overall pick. And yeah. really, Atlanta's, like you said, that's what they're missing. If you bring Bell Belichick and he's got offensive weapons that were poorly used by Arthur Smith and Bijan, Kyle Pitts, you got Drake London, who's still really good. Um, they got decent defense, don't they? Yeah, their defense isn't terrible, but you, you'd have to imagine the way that Belichick runs a defense, he'll definitely make it better. So, yeah. Just, I mean, they really, I mean, I don't know what they're, you might know, Marcus, like what kind of ca draft capital they have to trade up, but, you know, they could always make a move and trade up and get a quarterback. Stay with us. The drive continues. Hour number two coming up next right here on Fan Run Radio. The Drive. Hi, this is Bo 